Corey, you signed up for this by choosing to go into yes. the AT&T store. Yeah. There are, yeah. yeah. There's other ways to get this stuff done. And this is like when you go into the AT&T store, it's like going into like a car dealership. Oh. Where especially for like people like us, mm-hmm. you go into that environment and there's somebody who knows nothing about the product that they're desperately trying to sell you but has the brazen confidence uh you know as as if they are the master of all things and it's mm-hmm. just like to me it just it I, I can't i can't handle it it it's, like it it it's so funny yeah it's cuz i you know yeah cuz i went in there and i know what i want i know what i was going to get and just wa- listening to this dude go through his whole spiel, I was just like, man, I feel bad for him because I'm going to shut him down at every turn. And he can see it. Like, he's, like, cracking a smile as yeah. he's doing this stuff. And I'm just like, okay. And then also, much like you, I have a very old plan uh, through AT&T. And he's like, oh, you should really mm-hmm. upgrade. You should upgrade. And I was like, yeah, let's see the figures. And he pulled up all the figures. And every single one, every single time, he was like, um yeah i guess your other plan work it's like there's no i yeah uh i understand why you're keeping this plan but i will continue to show them to you and i was like i know you will i know but just know this is what i'm dealing with and i am getting that phone and i'm walking out of here and he was like i i know but can you take these flyers and i was like yeah of course of course because your boss is watching and i have to let you do your thing but Mm -hmm. And he like brought the basket a, of accessories. It was great. Ugh, so. I will tell you about a year ago, I did up, update my AT&T plan <gasps> for the first time since 2008. What? And this it actually, madness. because I think, I think because it was since 2008, it actually, there actually was a better plan that I could change. So at least okay. I thought so. You know, yeah. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure pretty sure it was a better deal like i can now like you know do like tethering on my thing and whatever and international blah 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 yeah sure and sure. whatnot but i i like you held on to just the mindset that like well no because i got it in 2008 and i know you're not allowed to take it away from me unless mm-hmm. i give you permission i'm just gonna hold on to it with an ironclad grip yeah it was just so nice to get that confirmation as he like ran all the numbers and physically wrote them down in front and just was like, Ugh, yeah, you are correct, but you should consider upgrading. And I was like, I'll consider it. And I will just like you did, John, I will eventually have to, but for now, mm, deeply satisfying. Anyways, this is not our well song. we'll cover yeah <laughs> we're off to a great start folks thank you for joining <laughs> us for another episode of uh men in their 40s <laughs> live their best life by sticking it to the man in what are still the most frictionless and passive aggressive ways mm-hmm. imaginable mm-hmm. uh no john uh, that's that's we that's that's uh that's our <laughs> one of our other podcasts uh this is this is our our f1 podcast john we do have oh it's sunday night i'm sorry i thought it was tuesday night no no i get them i get them all mixed up i I get it i get it um uh you're on island time 
uh, uh, whatever, whatever that <laughs> means. <laughs> yeah, Corey, Jamaican me crazy. Let's, uh, let's, let's. Oh God! All right, so let's let's roll into our F1 <laughs> podcast. Oh, why am I doing puns? I didn't mean to do a pun. Welcome to the F1 Files, folks. This is our Formula One podcast. We are, uh, as stated, a couple of 40-year-old men living our best lives as Formula One fans. My name is Corey Willis. I'm a writer, actor, improviser out here in Los Angeles, California. And this is John Lepore, creative consultant designing the future for film, technology, and automotive. All right, so Corey, we just watched the Spanish Grand Prix. Yes, we did. Mm. Uh, top level, did you enjoy the race? I thoroughly enjoyed this Spanish Grand Prix. And I'm saying that because I want to be very specific that this was a Spanish Grand Prix that I enjoyed watching. Uh, Traditionally, Spanish Grand Prix, not that exciting. Correct. Not that thrilling, not a lot of action. Correct. Uh, I, I will say I, I enjoyed this one. I think I still was probably frustrated by my biggest pain point of the of the season, but yeah. I did enjoy seeing uh, what I would say was a surprisingly sort of like shuffled field. Yes. A lot of people driving in positions that we didn't expect to see them in, uh, which set up opportunities for a lot of different passes. I forget. I heard a count somewhere. Like it was something like over 100 passes in the race. That sounds um, about right. Yeah. Um, which is, which is kind of wild for the Spanish Grand Prix. And uh, also worth noting, you know, all of this action, s- second race in a row, no safety car whatsoever. Yeah. Second race in a row, no safety car. Second race of the season, zero retirements. I mean, yeah, that's those two facts, not even a virtual safety car. I don't yep. even think that there were I don't think that yellow there were any flags. yellow flags thrown. I'm there just, might not have been any yellow flags. Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't think that the 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 most egregious flagging that happened was Max Verstappen for breaching track limits. He got shown the black and white flags like almost 60 laps yeah. into the race, but that's the yeah. only thing that was potentially disruptive. Uh, to the on-track action. Uh, there were some collisions. There was some action all up and down the fields uh, throughout the race. So it was it was engaging. It was fun to watch. Uh, even though it was still, by comparison to other Grand Prix, not the most exciting race to watch. Uh, I, I wouldn't. I would not say it's like something that is as indelible as like a spa or something like that. Uh, but mm-hmm. I would like to see it stay on the calendar uh, for sure, for, for a bunch of reasons. Um, and uh, uh, certainly as a couple of biased Mercedes fans, you got to love seeing what they did this weekend on that track. Uh, so uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's so, so that's, that's the headline, right? We've yeah. got uh, Mercedes back where they belong Yes. Dominating the entire sport of Formula One and being at the absolute front of the pack, 
except for Max Verstappen. Yeah, he's the only person. Yeah. Um. Uh. There's a, there. There's pretty much no nothing to stop them from running away with the constructors' championship. Uh. This year, now that it is clear that they can split those Red Bulls and that they are ahead yeah. of uh, Aston Martin. Uh, and that they are oh, ahead and will stay ahead of Ferrari because ooh. Well, all woof. right. So let me let me let me ask you. I mean, all right. So it's it's amazing. We see Hamilton finish second, mm-hmm. uh, Russell third. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was wonderful. Russell, an amazing think- drive today. An amazing yes. drive yeah. today. Uh, yeah. Perez, an amazing drive today. Charles an atrociously average drive today. And I think what we will find is that he was driving a broken car. There's no way that that Ferrari of Charles Leclerc was that poor in the race. I I just don't understand what happened with that. So, uh, so you think, you think Charles had a two hour long breakfast at Ferrari where they just said like, do not, at any point say anything about the car over the radio during yeah. the race. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. Uh, yeah. Just, just the car was not performing where it needed to perform. And Carlos also suffered, even though he started on the front of the grid right next to Max Verstappen, he ended up finishing fifth. So not a great mm-hmm. day for Ferrari, not a great weekend, actually a really bad yeah. weekend for Ferrari. Even though yep. we we they we say we that they had a bad weekend last weekend, this weekend was like a really really bad weekend. Yeah. Um. And also bad for like Carlos's pride. I mean, that's his home race. He started on the the yeah. second slot of the grid. He was challenging for pole, even. Uh. So, the fact that it didn't even finish on the podium. This is similar to what happened with, uh, not the same, because. That was calamitous. What happened in Monaco to Charles was calamitous when he didn't even finish on the podium uh, when he literally started on pole and finished. I think he finished fifth, too. I think it was they both had fifth place finishes when they've started Mm. from the front row of the grid now at their home races as Ferrari drivers. Um, Yeah, just not great. So, yeah, Mercedes crushed it. Uh, Really, really impressed with them. Uh, I, I thought that that was like that's the headline of the weekend for sure. Do you, do you think that this was indicative of what we could expect for the rest of the season from Mercedes? I do. I really do. Uh, specifically because they showed up so in such an impressive way. And by they, I mean, because Lewis and the team showed up in such an impressive way throughout the weekend as a whole. Uh, George struggled mm-hmm. a little bit, which is fine because he ended up finishing third uh, and he had to fight his way through the field to get to that podium. But yep. Lewis was pretty much on it in a very Mercedes way all weekend. We watched them build, had a couple of decent runs in the first practice session, second practice session. Didn't look that impressive, but looked really good on the longer race runs, like the simulation runs that they did. Had really good tire wear and then just watched Lewis build his way through qualifying to the point of where he had one wiggle, one wiggle, just one. Yeah. And that cost him 
at least starting ahead of Carlos Sainz, maybe even properly challenging Max for pole. Like, I, so I, I really, I think Mercedes is, I, I don't want to say back. I want to say, like what Toto was saying, they now have a baseline car that they are, it, yeah. it, they can set their watches to it again. They, they know they know what it's doing. Yes. They understand what's working well and they understand what's not working well. And exactly. it's not a spaghetti tangle of factors that they're still trying to figure out what are the controls and what are the variables and whatnot. And to me, that's, that's huge. Yeah. And I would, you know, I'm very optimistic that the powerhouse team that Mercedes has been, will take this new foundation and use it for, some very fast progress. So yeah. I'm excited to see what's ahead. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we're seeing potentially the Mercedes of old. They understated the developments that they made last week. They showed up in a pretty impressive way. They had a couple of Mercedes collide on the Spanish Grand Prix weekend. <laughs> <laughs> guys. Yeah. Guys. Yeah. Um, hmm. Uh, so it, it, there were there were echoes of the Mercedes of it exciting. old. It was exciting. Yeah. You know, it was like, ah, look at them. They're up to their traditional madcap antics. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Oh, during that qualifying session, too, throughout the weekend, we had none other than uh, Nico f***ing Rosberg uh, as the person who was part of the company. Oh, Nico was all over the, the Sky broadcast all weekend yep. and doing the... And interviews he, after the yeah the post race oh, interviews yep but Jesus, but yeah. at that time when they had the two Mercedes colliding on the start finish straight yeah. of the yeah, Spanish yeah, yeah. Grand Prix of that racetrack they didn't have Nico there oh I I just wanted them to throw Nico to be like wow crazy to see two Mercedes come together on that part yeah. of the track weird <laughs> really weird. What happened? It's it's just to hear just to hear from him be like, Toto's gonna be pissed, yeah. guys. Yeah, you guys have no <laughs> idea how pissed Toto's gonna be. I mean, <laughs> I taped what he said to us, and it was bad. Um, <laughs> like he, he definitely, and it was George pushing Lewis off the track, just like it was Nico mm -hmm, pushing mm -hmm, Lewis mm -hmm. off the track, which caused that collision. Yeah. So it was it was such a moment of deja vu. Uh, I, I was shook in that moment. Um, but then that saw George going out in the second qualifying uh, round. So that caused yeah. him to have to struggle and push his way up through the field. So it was it was an eventful weekend. It was it felt like a Mercedes of old. Like I was saying last week, Johnny, I did not want to see them do supremely well in Monaco. Because if they do supremely well in Monaco, that means they've set their car up for a yeah. track that doesn't Is worthless, yeah. yeah. So seeing them do not just the good work of finishing second and third in a Grand Prix, but also doing the work and building those cars all the way through the weekend was like, yep, I love it. I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that as a signal that Mercedes now knows what they're doing. And they have a car that will be successful. So, so, so yeah. hopefully. Um, yeah. Uh. 
otherwise so yeah. so optimistic yeah 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 um but speaking of being optimistic uh we can we can talk briefly about max verstappen and his dominance all weekend his his ability to show up um yeah i mean uh was absolutely crushing it um yeah. you know again he's He's showing a, you know, really specific degree of dominance, especially in direct comparison to his teammate. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's, you know, finishing the race a solid 20 seconds ahead of second place. And that yeah. 20 seconds, I'm sure he could have made into two minutes if it wasn't like, let's just keep a nice solid, you know. 22nd buffer between us and and second place yeah and and manage that and control that and yet still you know does his dance of of throwing in uh the fast lap right near the end of the race which also led to some entertaining exchanges over the radio because he was he was crossing track limits you mentioned he was getting that black and white flag Mm -hmm. and was getting it repeatedly to the point where the next time they would call him out for it, he would get a five second penalty, which wouldn't hurt him at all. Wouldn't have mattered still. Yeah. But, but you know, not a good thing to, to have happen. And they're getting over the radio to him and warning him and saying like, all right, like, you know, like Max, you have, you have 20 seconds. You have a commercial breaks worth of gap between you and Hamilton Mm -hmm. uh don't don't risk it with these track limits like stop pushing it yeah so hard and he still kept going for it he did it he crossed the line you know uh he, he he crossed off uh the fast lap he he was still pushing it the team said you know all right you got the fast lap Cut it out now, please. You yeah, know, and and whatever. And I think I think there's there's something entertaining about that. Like it's kind of fun to see like Max, you know, sticking it to the man, sticking it to his own team, and being like, "Screw you guys, I'm of going for it anyways." Of course. But also, I can't help but sense that this is also part of this. Like, I don't think there's a comfortable like. Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson type of situation going on at Red Bull. I do think there's this like this understated, you know, alpha uh, out alphaing each other between Max and Christian Horner. Yeah. And even the fact that on the cool down lap, Christian Horner gets over the radio to him you know, first his engineer is talking to him. Oh, great job. You know, that was terrific. And then Christian gets over the radio, you know, that special moment where the team principal decides to actually take the time mm-hmm. to get on the rail. Well done, Max. And then he's like, even though you cross those white lines a few times. And like, I don't understand why in that moment you would even bring that up. Like yeah. literally, like this is like. I expect at the end of the season, he's going to be like, congratulations, it's your third world championship. But we do have to factor in that you had some overdue library books for about a week and a half a few months back. And, you know, 
Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. not forget about that, Max. Yeah, you're valedictorian, and like you just did the really cool, like you did a moonwalk when you got your diploma, but <laughs> please pay those like parking fines uh, just so that we can make this all look like uh, you play by the rules and that you follow the rules. It, it really, yeah, it was, it was a really. It's weird. It's just kind of. Yeah, it was whatever the opposite of saving face is. That's what Christian Horner did in that moment. It yeah, just like he gave mad face. Yeah, yep. yeah. It was like he was like <laughs> like <laughs> the angriest attack dog uh, that just rolled over and showed you its belly and was like, "Moo, give me belly rubs." And you're like, "Oh, I thought you yep. were." Hmm. Okay. Weird. Um. Yeah. Just really it it. It smacks of like who's in charge over there, and it it kind of shows who is in charge over there, uh, who's in charge of that team, yeah. and and that sucks. Um, and I'm not saying that Max isn't. It's that he's not being challenged at this point, uh, and. Mm-hmm. That's kind of coming through in the way that he addresses his his engineer's concerns, like quite literally yeah. as like as JP is like, hey, could you, you know, could you like bring it home between the lines? Maybe like, come on, huh? Uh, Max's response to that was, yeah, yeah, like in that exact tone. And it's like, dude, you... I get it. I get it. You feel like you're being scolded, but. This is they are looking out for your benefit and also I keep I will keep going back to this. You are the world champion and you do need to be you need to conduct yourself like the world champion. Uh and and I'm not saying you need to take up social justice causes, you don't need to do anything for anyone other than yourself and the culture of racing. And staying within the lines, listening to your race engineer are things that these kids who are growing up and watching you as the world champion, they're hearing this and they're emulating it. And like, I know this is like the 40 year old man thing here, but it's like, you got to show up. It very much is. It It is. I get it. I, I fully get it. I fully understand what I'm doing and what I'm saying here, but you do have to like lead by a certain, at least like standard, um, I guarantee you that Max still has his uh, 2008 uh, AT&T da- yeah. data plan. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'll talk to him about that later. We will have that. We'll have that discussion <laughs> later, Max. Uh, <laughs> but uh, otherwise, Checo had an, an absolutely abysmal weekend um, uh, mm-hmm. leading up to the Grand Prix. So. Uh, and he even said it after last week. He was like, I need to not try to race like Max does. I need to not try to build my weekends the way that Max builds his weekends. And this was said a couple of times, and it bears repeating. Max came in to set a banker lap for qualifying session three. Yeah. So like the concept of the banker lap is like you go out there, you put in a time that at least guarantees you a certain spot on the grid. So at least you won't end up 10th if the session is red flagged and can't restart or it's rained out or whatever the banker lap is supposed to just be like a decent lap it's also not supposed to be like your first 
lap necessarily. Yeah, usually it is, but it doesn't have to be. Max yeah. went out and set a banker lap that broke the single lap record of the track. Yeah. That was his banker lap for qualifying session. And as everyone else continued qualifying, as the track got worn and better and lap times are coming down, nobody could beat his banker lap. And he never, he was on a hot lap at the end of the session that he threw in the towel on because it was clear that no one was going to beat his banker lap. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, again, we're seeing some serious, serious dominance here. This guy's, super dialed in yeah uh still kind of in a way that's obnoxious yeah but still very much in a way that's obnoxious it is it is it is what it is um yeah all right yeah what else do we got going on in the weekend of the the spanish grand prix i mean we should talk about uh before we get too far away from qualifying i want to talk about lando norris and the fact mm-hmm. that Lando Norris completely outdrove that McLaren yet again. Uh, he continues to outdrive that McLaren and phenomenal qualifying. Yeah. He and Piastri are doing really, really well in a car that just is not that good of a car. Um, it is arguably uh, between. <laughs> Oh God, we got to talk about that Williams floor. Um, but uh, uh, we, we yeah. uh, but it's like McLaren, Alpha Tauri, and uh, Williams are like the three kind of like worst cars on the grid. I think the McLaren is the best out of those three right now. Uh, and Yuki Sonoda and Nick DeVries are also out driving their Alpha Tauris. But Lando Norris putting that car on the third grid spot for qualifying on merit. Like, yeah. did you hear the radio after uh, afterwards? <laughs> what I I don't know <laughs> if I did. What, what? It was phenomenal. It's the uh, the like Lando's like hucking around and he like finishes up the lap. Um, first of all, his banker lap put him at P three as well. So he like went out and set like a phenomenal first banker lap in that third qualifying session. Already was like, oh damn, look at him! Mm-hmm. And then Ocon came in and set like a P four, and I was like, oh wow, look at Ocon showing up again too. And then Lando came back, and I think made like uh, maybe even went a little bit faster than his original banker lap. And then the engineer comes on, and he's like, so that's P three, and Lando goes, still, what? <laughs> That's awesome. Incredible. Uh, And then like, there's like a brief pause. He's still got the radio keyed in. And then you just hear him go, hmm, interesting, interesting. And then keys the radio off. It's like, that's phenomenal. I love, I love Lando Norris so much. He's, he's so great. He's such an interesting person to listen to. Um, And he's so laid back. Even, I mean, even after his race today, even after he collided with Lewis and ended up 20th for most of the race, uh, and then ended up 19th, I think by the end of it. Um, uh, but he, uh, no, maybe he did a little bit better, but he was like running like pretty much at the back. Yeah. I was disappointed not to see him kind of claw his way further up the field. I wonder if there were some other factors, you know, that came out of that initial, collision because it was lewis at the big 
that was a big yeah. collision and i i didn't realize how big it was at first until they ran it yeah. back and then i was like whoa that could have been race ending for both of them like yep shock you see the in car and you can see his own uh front wing end plate yeah gets completely removed but then is like stuck to another piece of the car and i'm just imagining it's like a saw blade that's like just kind of vibrating there as the car is ripping around at 150 miles per hour you know yeah waiting for that to shake loose again uh so hope the aerodynamics don't send it into your upper chest like jesus just like perfectly accelerate it because it gets like caught um yeah yeah that was that was terrifying uh oh there was another um there were another couple of radio exchanges that were great uh one was or uh i think russell had two of them uh one that i picked up on was uh where his race engineer was like oh it was a pretty good pass and he was like oh just pretty good uh then like toto comes on he's like george that was really good uh it's just (laughs) so so funny to hear because it was like truly george was being a little and he was like oh was it just like okay or that's all you you just think it was like average or Mm -hmm. uh and then like the big boss came on and was like yes you did good job i'll give you the head pats uh so that was that was very funny um and then he also said while he was setting fast laps, like multiple fast laps in a row, he was like, oh, do you want me to go faster? It was like, ooh, George, I love hearing this. I love. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't him being cheeky that second time. That was him like honestly being like, do you need me to go faster? Because I can go faster right now. Uh, and that was when he was matching Lewis and he was running right behind signs and eventually they were like, oh, no, George, you're going to catch signs. You do not need to go any faster. And he absolutely caught signs, like, within a few laps. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, I loved watching those. I thought when, when you were bringing up Russell's radio, I thought you were talking about there was one that I caught where uh, it was later in the race, and uh-huh. he was uh, speculating that it was beginning to rain. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, to one of his engineers and, mm-hmm. and then clarified, Oh wait, no, sorry. It's just really sweaty in my helmet. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, uh, so just, I saw an interview afterwards after the race, they interviewed him and they were like, yeah, you thought it was raining. What, what was that all about? Um, and he was like, well, when I got into like, when I got into my Bella Clava, like the race, the kit that they put underneath their race, racing helmets called the Bellaclava. And they like usually slick their hair back and put, put their hair in there. And he's like, Oh, just like some of my hair didn't get all the way into the Bellaclava. So like the sweat was just dripping to the very end of the hair. And then every time I'd hit the brakes, the G forces would like push my helmet forward or push my head forward. And the water would like flick off the hair and just splatter his visor. Jeez. <laughs> That's and Felipe Drogovic was like, what a perfect way of describing the G forces that we experience that like you might mm-hmm. think it's raining inside your helmet because some of your sweat came loose. Like, yeah, that is where, how fast that water is moving around, how much force is being applied repeatedly. So that was, that was also great. Wild. That was great. Um, if you tuned your radio dial over to mm-hmm. WALO, mm-hmm. Fernando Alonso Radio, yeah, 
you'd get some uh, some good material as we have mm-hmm. almost race after race. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time it was Fernando closing in on his teammate, and I forget the exact phrasing, but it was like just something to the effect of like, you know, oh, you know, tell tell him I'm not, you know, tell him I'm just happy here. I'm not gonna, I'm not coming for him. Yeah, he said, tell tell Lance not to worry. I will not attack. (laughs) I will not attack. I'm just trying to build a buffer. Uh, And it's It's, so cute. It's so cute. He's such a gentle lover. I love it. Yeah. It's, it's, I, again, I cannot wait to see the pendulum swing back mm-hmm. the other way, and for Dark Alonso to uh, to show up to to pop up at yeah. some point this season. And I can't help but think that he was also doing that out of the extreme kindness and generosity of his heart, mm-hmm. uh, particularly because his teammate has been having like an awful week yeah. getting dragged through the mud yeah. by the F1 media, like now pinging him as, you know, and it's, and it's kind of th- this, I thought was a really violent turn, how he went from like, look at him. He's amazing. He's racing with broken hands. He's, you know, yeah. the, the performance of the Aston Martin is obviously a Fernando Alonso story, but also Lance Stroll is doing really well. Like has Lance Stroll always been a great driver? And then after like two or three races, it just switched to like, this guy doesn't deserve this car. Yeah. Get him out of here, but you can't get him out of here. Cause he's daddy's boy. And yeah. All of that. Yeah. It was it's, just, uh, I was, I was surprised to see it swing back this harshly which against, uh, Hey, yeah. if if anything, he spent those for and and to bring it home. What what did he he finished sixth today? Six, yeah, it was six and seventh. Him and Alonso yeah. finished. Uh, but that was it was really impressive because Lance passed Hamilton on that yeah. first lap. So yep. it's not that that Aston Martin doesn't have pace. It's not that Lance can't race. He in earnest got Hamilton and Hamilton didn't have any damage on his car. Yeah. He was a little bit out of sorts because he thought he may have had damage. So maybe he wasn't driving like as aggressively as he would have been on that first lap, but Hamilton's also towards the front of the grid and he, he knows what happens when the leaders get away. So I don't think he was really yeah. giving them that much. Uh, so, I mean, he got past Norris, Norris hit him and then Lance, got in on the inside of him and passed him on the inside. Uh, and it took Lewis like almost like three laps to catch him. So uh, it just, yeah, I, I can't help but think that the formula one community are desperately in search of our next, uh, Nicholas Latifi Me or too. pastor Maldonado like figure that we can just all, continually race weekend after race weekend point a finger at and yeah shame yeah and collectively you know yeah circle around and spit beer onto uh you know yeah one driver that Which, we all unanimously agree is the worst and and to be perfectly honest i'm actually surprised i know in some circles it is but i'm i'm, I'm actually surprised that it hasn't already been designated as logan Sargent. yeah, yeah. There was a moment today, there were, not today, this weekend, when he went off and crashed uh, at the end of free practice three. 
when he ended up going off on that last corner. Uh, and like the commentators were trying to cover it and going like, yeah, yeah, it just feels like awful to like go off and like our heart goes out to him. But as soon as he crashed that car, he apologized. He was like, oh, I'm so yeah. sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. And just the tone of that apology, I was like, oh, this sounds like someone who may be starting to get a whiff of. Uh oh, I may not have a seat next year if I don't get some points on the board. Because uh, if we're saying Nick DeVries might yeah. not have a seat, then uh, we got to be talking about Logan Sargent maybe not having a seat yeah. too, especially with Mick Schumacher sitting there at Mercedes. He's about to go do a Pirelli tire test to get some real time behind a real car that isn't yeah. a Haas, you know, even though Haas was showed up. Nico Hulkenberg really showed up this this weekend. Mm-hmm. I mean, that dude is we're talking about Alonzo being like an older guy who's been in the sport for a long time. Like Hulkenberg was out of the sport and has been subbing in regularly and putting points on the board. There was a while there yeah. he'd scored more points than uh Nikita Mazepin because he had like subbed yep. two races and scored points and he wasn't even a full driver. Um so there's like you know, there was there was some hype around that, um, uh, but I gotta say, Logan needs to be a little bit concerned. Um, and I, I like him. I think he's a good kid, but I, I want to see a, an American driver yeah, stay in the sport. Yeah, but uh, and I think and I think Williams. I mean, I don't I don't know what the deal is, but I wouldn't be surprised if Williams gets some additional sponsorship out of having, you know, this American driver, right? Oh, Attracting I, I uh, thought, American sponsors and whatnot. I thought you were going to say get some sponsors out of pity because their floor looks like, what did you, okay. what, what did right. you say? Let's, yeah. 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 <laughs> let's let, all right. So we, we, last week we talked about the fact that like, the hottest uh the hottest taboo subject to spill out into formula 1 culture was getting to see some glimpses of the underfloors of a few of the cars notably mm-hmm. uh the red bull mm-hmm. and seeing how unbelievably complex the underfloor being the most critical surprisingly critical part of the aerodynamics of the car yeah and otherwise traditionally not publicly visible. Yeah. Uh, the Williams, after this wreck, got lifted up. We got some images of the underside of the Williams floor. And where is the, the Red Bull? And oh, what was it? The the Mercedes was the other car we Mercedes saw. Mercedes and the Ferrari. We saw the, the And the Ferrari. The three. Yeah, yeah. yeah unbelievably convoluted pathways and channels mm-hmm. weaving through the under sculpture of the car for the air to flow through. Mm-hmm. Um, the Williams underfloor looked as simple as like the underside of like a jet ski. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like there's, it, it, it looks, um, it's like like there's a yeah 
there, there's a world where I would like to think that the hyper simplicity of it is an inherent advantage yeah. and that everyone else is overcomplicating it. But, uh, but no, no, it's, um, it is definitely, it is definitely incredibly underdeveloped, I yeah. think would be the yeah. term. So there's there's this moment. Um, uh, I don't know crap about aerodynamics. <laughs> okay, like I barely understand this just, stuff at all. Yeah, just to be clear, me, and I can me either. And yeah, yeah, I can, and it's very evident. Yeah. to my casual eye, that there is like you know been very, and I think there was, I think there was a quote that somebody pulled after this image surfaced from earlier in the season with James Vowles. Yes. Uh, the the new team team principal at Williams coming aboard. Yep. You know, describing that as he's get coming to terms with the team and understanding how they've been operating, that he was surprised that they basically weren't doing serious like um computational data for this sort of stuff, uh, which makes it almost sound like they they weren't even doing like you know, CFD, yeah. you know, digital aerodynamics as part of their design process, which to me sounds, uh, I, I'm sure it's not that I'm sure it's some, it, it's some other nuance, but it basically, that just makes it sound like, Oh, uh, nobody told, you know, the, the team, uh, are trapped in 1978 yeah and nobody told them about what everyone else has been up to since then in the sport yeah it really is i mean i know i know that williams was suffering from like underfunding and lack of sponsorship for a while and that's why it is now no longer owned by claire williams and like the williams name it's just the name of the team but it's owned by um, a venture capital company. So I, I uh, Doralton Capital, I think is the name of it. But regardless, mm-hmm. that is, it looks as though they haven't done that, John. It looks as though, like when, when James Valls went there and said that, I think we were all going like, oh, wow, this is a little harsh, James. Like you're saying, like, take it easy. You're coming from yeah. Mercedes these people don't have the kind of funding that you had, but yeah, the difference is like, it looks like that was not him speaking hyperbolically. Like that was him literally being like, no, no, they do not have computational fluid dynamics. Like they do not have that software and program running. Uh, uh, cause those are all bespoke programs. And I think that they just did not get one. And that is what the bottom of that car looks like. Like there's nothing on the bottom. I don't, of yeah, I don't understand. And I mean, it's, it's almost a miracle that they're not significantly further back. I mean, what, what is truly a miracle is the performance of Alex Albon. Considering Absolutely. How, yeah. how little he has to work with. The fact that he has regularly been making it into Q3 over the past couple of years with that car and it's more developed this year than it was last year. And he was regularly getting into Q3 last year. So uh, like for the love of God, we need to get Alex Albon in a proper car because that is a world championship driver. If he's doing what he's doing at the Williams with Williams right now, put him in a Mercedes, 
put him in uh, a at an Alpine. Put him in anything that is like a proper team. And sorry, Williams, sorry, but you just proved that you're not a proper team in like the most embarrassing possible way. Like, so, so I'm going to counterpoint this and say that perhaps there is some other old school brilliance that is keeping this team's engineering afloat and allowing them to stay where they are without having what should be the advantage of a supremely aerodynamic underfloor. And that perhaps in the coming seasons with James Vowles in place and with his background and his previous experiences, yeah, that we could actually see a little bit of a Williams renaissance Maybe in the coming seasons, because I, I do think there's got to be some other things that are happening. And I mean, you know, we've seen we've seen Albon with some other teams. Yeah. Previously. Yeah. yeah. And the, you know, and, and he's he's not, you know, he's he's not like disappointing in his performance with Williams. He's doing, he's staying relatively consistent with where he's been in the past, but, and I do think he's a, he's definitely a solid and reliable driver, but I, I'd like to think that Williams with a, you know, basically infusing what I'm assuming is like a ancient antiquated, operation once they all get once they all get like company-wide email yeah established yeah you know like once they're all like hey guys we don't have to like we don't have to wait for days for this stuff to come yeah through the hand of the postal carrier yeah we've got some email there are so many i mean the the thing i'm thinking of like is like when we got when, when that car went off and i saw that it was in a gravel trap and i was like oh they're getting a oh they're getting a crane they're gonna have to lift it up onto a wrecker they can't just like get in there and have marshals push it off uh i was like "Ooh, baby here we go another floor reveal and when they showed the floor i had a moment of like when when uh when um what's his name uh bob hoskins i think is his name the guy who was in who uh who framed roger rabbit yeah yeah. bob hoskins yeah Yeah, bob hoskins when he like looks through the keyhole and thinks he's seeing jessica rabbit and then yeah. when like the person turns around, it's just like the most busted looking, terrifying looking human being. Uh, and by human being, I mean like cartoon creature uh, <laughs> that just like sees him and like starts like clamoring towards the door. Like that was that was the response I had when I saw the Williams floor. I was like, oh, I don't want to. I don't want to look at this. I don't want to look at this. I feel like really gross and bad, and I feel like they. Sh- like that's that's what Christian and Toto were referring to. It was like it was, it was, like, it was like the the binoculars in uh, something about Mary. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You remember? Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Just oh, ooh, um, I feel bad for them. Um, they need to do something about that. They need to. I, James Vowles needs to do something about that because that is embarrassing. Truly, yeah. Um, 
so there's there's that there's that uh there was also um the fact that pierre got a big old penalty uh like he was doing pretty well in qualifying he qualified yep. fourth uh but then impeded what co- it was uh he impeded max and he impeded carlos i think was it Carlos yeah. or was it Charles? I think it was Carlos. I think I remember seeing like okay. the Spanish the the helmet that that Carlos was rocking. Um, so he he impeded both of them, and this is also part of WALO. Uh, we had Alonzo watching this happen, and he was like, "Oh, uh, that was uh, looks like one of the Alpines was impeding." I'd say that is uh, at least three spots. He's going to get a three spot penalty. And it's like, <laughs> Alonzo, you're setting up for your like qualifying lap right now. Like, what, why are you watching yeah. other people? <laughs> it was so funny. Um, He's flipping through the rule book on his lap mm-hmm. in the car mm-hmm. in front of his steering wheel, yeah. possibly steering with one of his knees. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, they changed. Speaking of watching stuff. They, I know this isn't like a huge story, but this is like one of the the most famous pieces of architecture uh, in the past like couple of decades, or I guess like three decades. So it was like they started in '91 as the first race there, I think. So for the past like 30 years, they've had this huge thing that they would change, like physically have to change the timing scores of the the Spanish Grand Prix, and they like automated the tower this year. So. I was just thinking mm-hmm. that like Alonzo definitely had time to watch all sorts of action. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Going, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with those, with that screen, uh, addition, um, the, uh, speaking of penalties, the harshness of Yuki's penalty there, uh, I thought that yep. was, that was a yep, bit, yep. a bit brutal, but also, I mean, he did, kind of pushed joe off track yeah, he's, he was kind of slamming the door shut on yeah. uh joe guan Yu. yeah um still i don't know it's just it's rough seeing sad yuki yeah. yuki gets so sad yeah you know, he he's does. such a like fiery and emotional dude like uh i saw an after race interview with him and he looked like he had either just start just stopped or was about to start crying yeah at any moment yeah uh because of his and and i mean it's a it's a rough uh what was it It was a five second yeah penalty he was hit with and that i think thrust him back like five positions yeah knocked him out of the point straight out of points yeah yeah yeah. and again he he and nick devries are out driving those alpha towers and every time he gets a point it is so so well earned and deserved yeah. So getting knocked out. Uh, and he's been so consistent with with collecting those points yeah. this season. Yeah. In a car that shouldn't be a point scoring mm. car, he is. Yeah. And he's outscored. I mean, his teammates, the other person on the grid other than Logan Sargent, who hasn't scored a single point yet. So to put an idea of how like how that car is performing and what it's capable of versus what Yuki's getting yep. out of it. Uh, I mean, there's buzz around like Yuki now starting to, like Franz Toast. And now that he's leaving, uh, is like, yeah, I think Yuki should go to Red Bull next. And it's like, hey, I, I don't think mm. that's incorrect. I think that Yuki mm-hmm. would be an amazing uh, teammate 
um, with Max. Like, I think that that would be an yeah. amazing uh, combination. Um, if anything, yep. just to watch like two hotheads uh, racing yeah. against each other would be great. And I think Yuki could get a lot out of that Red Bull too. A lot more. He's because he's getting a lot out of the Alpha Towery. So I bet he could do yep. something with that Red Bull too. Um, plus, it's the Honda thing. You know, if they stick with Honda yep. and still have Honda powertrain stuff and there's a Honda Ford partnership, there's still room for Yuki to be in that team. So I'd I'd like to see yeah. I'd like to see him do well. Um anything else from this weekend, Johnny? Was there anything specific that stuck out to you? Um I mean, other than the Mercedes being gorgeous. I mean Yeah, I mean beyond that that's it, right? Like that's my biggest takeaway is, and I'm trying to measure myself too. Yeah, me too, because I want to get real excited about this. Me too, John. Me too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I want to get real, real excited about this, and I really did love hearing Toto's words after the race, mm-hmm. speaking about this sense of like, just that with this new foundation, they they understand it. Yeah, which also makes me want to strangle them for going like almost like one and a quarter seasons being comfortable just continuing to try something that they fully couldn't comprehend at all yeah but whatever yes yeah, yeah. there were some rumors that red bull was going to do some uh some zero pod uh like they were going to ch- right, change right, the, right, the, right. The, the yeah so i mean i think that'd be amazing if if I mean that's such an I could see Adrian Newey just being like yeah. oh that's you know it's like it's like Matt that's Adrian Newey's version of going outside the white lines yeah just to see if he can yep. just you know Adrian Newey being like, oh I should just try that that seems like an yeah. interesting challenge yeah like they couldn't make it work go for I it we apply could. apply your alien brain to it Adrian Newey let's see yeah. what you can do yeah. So that's, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's interesting. Uh, also to, to close things out, uh, I guess let's talk about the saddest of sad clowns, which, uh, uh, Ferrari, you showed up with Mm. some gorgeous looking upgrades, some really, really impressive looking upgrades, uh, some really nuanced stuff. Uh, and then just, I don't know what happened. Uh, I don't know if they if it just didn't work. Uh, I know that they were having a lot of like tire degradation issues. Their strategy was weird as hell. Uh, and even even though it wasn't uh, flashy or high profile on the broadcast, there was definitely some under the radar clown town. Yeah, going on. Yeah. at Ferrari. I don't know if you caught the. Radio exchange mid race. Uh, I think it was the first pit stop for Charles, and he's over the radio. They're saying, you know, box box, come in, uh, come in for hards. Yeah, and Charles goes, no, 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 give me the softs. Yeah, and they basically say, okay, okay, you got it, we'll do that. And he says, can I still come in? They're like, yes, yes, come, come right in. Yep. And is and as he's coming in, okay, uh, we're we're giving you the hards. Yeah. And yep, just still seems like it's a total train wreck yeah. over there. Like I, I don't. It was the weirdest thing. 
Come on, guys. Carlos also took a little bit of like ownership over the engineering strategy, uh, which he does. That's like he likes to do that. Um, and then uh, at like the end of his like of his like hard tire stint, he was like, "I just need you to come up with a way for me to beat Checo." Like that was his like command to the Ferrari engineering team. And I can't remember if they, be- no, they didn't, they didn't, they, they screwed it up. They, he ended up coming in behind, uh, not even close. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like quite literally not close. Um, so that sucked. Uh, also I have to say the 25 second, 27 second, whatever it was, uh, uh, window that Max Verstappen had at the end of the race, I don't see that as much as like a like oh my god how is Mercedes ever going to overcome that I, I see that as that's like a normal thing for the race leader with like modern F one cars you build mm-hmm. out a lead you build out your pit strategy and then you are just untouchable that's like the point of beating everyone early on in the race that is that is the point and got that clean air all to yourself yeah yeah and that's what max did uh and his the the strategy worked and he was still like pulling some better times on those hard tires than some of the soft tire runners uh at, who were on fresher softs while he was on like lap 30 with a set of hard tires and he was still like leading mm-hmm. the field and setting fast laps so I mean, he's pretty untouchable, pretty untouchable. But if you get Lewis beating him in those first few corners, if you keep a Mercedes within striking distance so that he cannot do these massive overcuts uh, where he just like keeps building out these leads or doing these undercuts that like throws off other people's strategies, if they can just negotiate that, I think they'll be fine. And one weekend of new parts on a car on a track that like they're now very familiar with and can pull good data down from, I think that they're going to be able to dial this Mercedes in and at least be on the front row to challenge him into those first couple of corners, at least for those first couple of laps, if not for race wins, who knows, who knows? I'm, I'm, I'm inspired by what's do it. Let's do it. I want it all. Yeah. I want, I want it. I want it all. The prophecy has been foretold. Yes. Yes. And, but here's the thing too. I just want to be completely, uh, I want to be as fair as is possible. If Alpine were able to challenge Red Bull for race wins, if Ferrari were able to challenge for race wins, I would also be as excited. All right, that's not true. I would also be excited because I do want to see Red Bull get challenged by someone. I just absolutely love that it is Lewis Hamilton and George Russell in Mercedes yeah, machinery. I absolutely. love that that's what's happening. So absolutely, we'll see. Um, we'll see. Yeah, I, I, I just want to see some uh, Red Bull cars blow up. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, it'd be nice to see some unreliability. See some, uh, some DNFs. Anything. Can we get some... Uh, mm, yeah. 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 Um, and Throw us a bone here, guys. Come on. Not for Sergio. Not Sergio. We're not talking Sergio. We just want like Max to not run away completely with this championship. Yeah. Um, 
ideally there'd be a challenge between at least him and his teammates. If he DNFs, mm. he gets back into like challenge territory with uh, maybe Sergio, probably not Alonso anymore. Because if the Mercedes are coming on pace, sorry, with only Alonso showing up big time for Aston Martin, that's not going to be enough. Because George is a future world championship winner, uh, and he's in world championship equipment now. Maybe mm. I don't know how how much they're going to be challenged by a customer team anymore, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Like I said, I'm happy that anyone is within striking distance of the Red Bulls, even if it is just for the first few laps of the Grand Prix. We need something folks. Um, I'm kind of pissed that there's a break. We now get another break, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, the, the cadence of this season has been uh, throwing me off, Uh, but Hey, yeah. Next time, next time that they're at it, mm-hmm. get yourself a nice uh, Molson tall boy. Yeah, yeah. Get a, uh, a little like paper tray full of uh, mm-hmm. some delicious steaming hot Putin. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get me and, some poutine. Uh, I gotta, I gotta track that down out here in LA somehow. There's gotta yeah. be something that does poutine. We're going, we're going to Montreal. Yeah, oh, I cannot wait. Um, but also, the teams do get to keep working over the next uh, week. And Montreal, a uh, uh, track that uh, plays to Mercedes' advantages mm-hmm. in ways similar to uh, to Spain. Yeah. So yeah, we'll see. All right. Well, Johnny, um, what do you think? Do you think that the stock went up this week? Do you think it went down? Do you think it plateaued? Where are we at? I think the I think the stock went up. I think we had a yeah. I think we had a solid race despite uh you know Max locking out the front. I think yeah. there was still a lot of fun entertainment happening within the race and I think some of us are starting to get accustomed to just pretending that that car number 1 doesn't exist yeah. and that there's a whole other sport that's happening here without it. Yeah. It's a phantom and, car. Uh, it's a, and, it's it's the ghost car that every yes. everyone's like chasing but like I mean, yeah, yeah, you're never going to catch it. Um, we, we we wouldn't know what to do with it if we caught it. Oh, God. Yeah, I, I do think I think oh. the stock is going up. I do think it is going up. Um, I think that this weekend with Mercedes coming back online, it does feel like there is a bit of new energy back into uh, at least the constructors yeah. championship. At least that. Yep, I like that. At least that. I like that. So uh, we are we're Hamilton fans, but also Mercedes fans here. So we we would like to see Mercedes um, come out on top. That would be nice. Uh, all right, where can the folks track you down out there in the world, Johnny? Uh, you can always find me via my home base of JohnnyMotion.com. Uh, let's see. Recently I was on the, uh, Monday meeting podcast talking about, uh, the future of creativity, particularly as it pertains to motion design and the adjacent, uh, platforms there. Uh, Corey, where can the folks find you? 
uh, well, you can track me down. Uh, I am going to, uh, I'm going to be at a show. I have a show. Um, it is at 1130 on June 10th at the UCB Theater. So that's the late Ooh, show. A little birthday a show, little Corey. birthday show for yours truly. Uh, I'll be celebrating my birthday by doing some goofs. Uh, it's a, a show called Better Movies, uh, hosted by my friend Zach Olson, who plays a Tommy Wiseau character and he just wanders through oh, movies. Wow. Uh, it's great. It's a very funny show. Um, and I don't know if they'll be streaming it or if we'll have a stream of it, but I'll see if we can get some clips because it's ridiculous. Uh, so if you're in LA that next sounds week, awesome. Yeah, come come check me out. Uh, otherwise, you can catch me, Burn Corey Burn, on all the social media things. Uh, and we are the F1 Files on Twitter and on TikTok. And then the F1 Files pod on Instagram. Well, folks, you know what time it is. It's time for us to say goodbye. But we will catch up with you next time. Because you're going to catch up with us the next time on the F1 Files. Boom!